You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to Orange and Blue Blood, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Talking about this win, perhaps one of the most impressive wins of the Knicks season. The Celtics were completely outclassed by the Knicks 109 94 at Madison Square Garden. Knicks held the Celtics to nine for 42 from the three point line. Jason Tatum, who was ejected in the fourth quarter of this game, finished with just 14 points. He shot six for 18 from the field, was frustrated all night. The Knicks were led by a stellar bench performance by Emmanuel Quickly. He tied for a game high 23 points in this game. Randall added 23 points as well. The Knicks now on a six game win streak. They now sit in sole possession of the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. So all positives take away from this game. What was the most impressive aspect of this win for you, Tommy? Yeah, I think, um, you know, and we were kind of talking and right before we hopped on, on the pod was just that, you know, if, if the Knicks had won this game because Randall exploded for 48 and Brunson had a Brunson game where he was, yep. you know, 37 points on 21 shots and, you know, nine assists or something along those lines. Obviously, you take the win. You're excited about the win. You, you know, that that's kind of how you expect this team um, if they're going to play really impressively and blow out a team like the Celtics entered the night with the league's best record. Um, but what made this W even that much more impressive and probably special in the hearts of Nick fans was the fact that they did so with Randall having basically a pedestrian night. You know, 23-7-4 is a solid game, but those are all below his league averages. Yep. Um, you know, ditto for Jalen Brunson, uh, who was only 4 of 12 from the floor. Uh, he missed free th- uh, three free throws. Um, you know, I think he had four assists, uh, three rebounds. So not certainly not up to his standards, his lofty standards that we've come to expect from Brunson night in, night out. RJ Barrett was, was, wasn't just not good. He was awful. Um, and, yeah. and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, really kind of the only, um, negative uh, on this, uh, otherwise really impressive night. Um, it was the other pieces. It was the complementary pieces that stepped up in a big way. Mitchell Robinson, a defensive masterclass in the first half. Absolutely protecting the paint, um, finishing dunks, um, you know, just basically doing all little things, two steals, two blocks, um, really, really making it difficult for the, um, you know, he's kind of the linchpin of, of the Tibbs defensive system um, where they look to chase you off the line and get you, you know, into that mid range. And if, unless you settle for the mid range, you want to attack the basket, but with Mitch back there to clean up um, any and all shots around the rim makes it that much more difficult. Um, Grimes, we talked about that defensive, you know, that, that defense, that defense on the perimeter, Jason Tatum struggled again last night. Um, you know, Derek White, didn't didn't perform as well certainly as as he would have liked um again Grimes you can't say enough about the kid defensively also in the second half when they finally started giving him the ball knocked down a three and then got into the paint created some easy shots for himself and also his teammates which he's great at you know um and Breen mentioned it last night thing you love about Grimes um when he when he uh when uh, opponents close out on his three-point shot and he attacks the paint. He hasn't made up his mind whether he's going to shoot or pass yet. Um, yeah. It makes, you know, really challenges the defense. Um, and, and guys, especially big guys, love playing with a, with a player like that. Um, Obi Toppin hit a three-pointer. Um, you know, he had nine points. Um, and, and and of course, we can't forget about the the, the great play from uh, Emmanuel Quickly. Um, Absolutely. You know who who we've given flowers to, and we've and we've sung his praises over the past few months, but probably not as much as we should have. Um, and I and I spent some time. I wrote about it this morning. Um, you know, you go back to that December fourth game. 
Um, that's kind of the game where the Knicks, you know, adjusted to a nine-man rotation following the uh, disaster versus Dallas when they were blown out on that Saturday afternoon. They came back the next night, beat Cleveland. That kind of, you know, is viewed as rightly so the turning point of the season. Yeah, that's forty games ago now. Um, the Knicks right. are twenty-six and fourteen over that forty-game stretch. Um, only four teams in the NBA have a, have more wins than the Knicks during that stretch. Most importantly, the Knicks have the second best net rating in the NBA over that stretch, folks. That's forty games. That's not a week. That's not three weeks. That's not a good start after the All Star break. That's yeah. that's essentially half a season. We have a large body of work here now that it, that informs us this Knicks team is for real. They they need to be taken seriously. Um, they're they're the scrappy, gritty underdog, um, but they've also exceeded even those expectations. They are the quintessential team that a team like the Celtics or the Bucks or the Sixers do not want to see in the first round of the playoffs because they're playing with house money. They have no expectations. It's you know it's just it basically um, they have a, they have a mentality. They have a culture. Um, you know they have something to hang their hat on every night. Um, yep. And 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 again, I, I want to circle back to that that this forty game stretch. Um, yes, it's it 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 um, coincides with the switch to the nine man rotation, but the probably the more important factor than switching to that nine man rotation and getting McBride and playing some of the younger guys a little bit more was Tibbs finally taking the reins off Emmanuel quickly. Yeah. Um, first twenty three games of the season, quickly averaged twenty two minutes a night. Knicks were ten and thirteen uh, during that twenty three game stretch. As I just mentioned, in the forty game sixths. 40 games since the Knicks are 26 and 14 and Emmanuel quickly is playing 31 minutes a night. Um, you know, that's, that's what, you know, it's, it's not hard to draw a, a direct connection between yeah. the improved play on both ends of the floor and, and Tibbs um, relying on Emmanuel quickly um, to, to kind of do what he does best. He has showed improve. Knicks need to lock him up sooner rather than later. That's a conversation. Yes. I'll, that's I'll a conversation for another day. Um, but uh, yeah, all things considered, another great win uh, for the Knicks on Monday night. A lot of it had to do with the bench unit and the key cog in that bench unit, as it has been all season, was Emmanuel Quickly. Yeah, keeping track of the agendas we're pushing. So uh, Randall for all NBA, uh, Emmanuel Quickly for Sixth Man of the Year, adding in another another agenda for this podcast. Pay Emmanuel Quickly. That has to happen. Emmanuel Quickly is that, uh, playing spectacular basketball and he has improved so much when you consider he's only 23 years old and you're getting this kind of production in massive games against teams like the boston celtics the knicks better do right and pay emmanuel quickly he was phenomenal in this game and i think he was up for this game considering he was going up against a guy malcolm brogdon who also had a good game probably yeah. the only Celtics who had a good game in this one i think this is the guy you're looking at as the favorite for the six man of the year we've mentioned a bunch about how there's essentially been no talk about Emmanuel quickly for sixth man of the year, which is ridiculous. When you look at not just his, you know, traditional stats, but also his advanced statistics, which show that he's one of the more uh, instrumental and indispensable players in the NBA. And that's the word I would use for him. He is indispensable for the New York Knicks. I mean, it, it, without him, just like we talk about Randall, just like we talk about uh, Brunson, just like we talk about Mitch Robinson. I think in many ways, like, those three guys, along with Emmanuel, quickly are the top four most indispensable pieces on this team. Without them, the Knicks become a certain level, not necessarily as good as they are right now. And I think now that you have quickly playing at this level, now you have Mitchell Robinson back. You mentioned the masterclass he had in that first half. I mean, that block on Jason Tatum, I really thought set the tone for this game. I think that once that happened, you kind of realize, and I think the Celtics realized, it was going to be a long night 
defensively. It's part of the reason why you saw them launch 43 threes in this game. I know this is a team that does shoot a lot of three points, but considering how much they uh, struggled from the line, you would have thought they wouldn't. They would have been more aggressive going into the paint. They were unable to do that. They only got to the free throw line 14 times. That was a point of emphasis for Joe Mazzula, the head coach in the post game, who was talking about how high the Knicks get 34 free throws. And we only got 14 free throws. Well, when you launch 42 three pointers and your team looks afraid to attack the paint because Mitchell Robinson is lurking back there, that's how you shoot only 14 free throws. This was not some kind of conspiracy, some kind of rocket science as to what happened. But shout out to Emmanuel quickly. I'm starting the agenda. They got to pay him, they got to extend him. He is so important to this team. And I'm so happy. We don't know what the deal was with those trade rumors that started to begin the season, whether or not it was teams calling for him or it was the Knicks shopping them, but I'm very glad that that's over, and I'm glad you and I were both ahead of the curve and saying trading him should basically not be an option. It should not be on the table, especially for a first-round pick or in a salary dump situation or a situation where you're avoiding to pay him. The fact that Emmanuel quickly is on this team makes the Knicks a better basketball squad. No question. Um, and, 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 you, and we didn't even mention Josh Hart yet. Um, he had a great game, too great chemistry with, with that second unit. Um, Hardenstein was relatively quiet last night. First, first time in a while. Um, but again, that, that second unit is, is so key. Um, and we talked about it going into the game. Uh, and obviously everyone's talked about it because the Celtics get a lot of national attention. One of the greatest strengths is their excessive depth. You know, they they, they yeah. bring guys in waves, um, but they just had no match for the Knicks. The, the Celtics and likely um, their sixth man and likely the sixth man of the year award winner, Malcolm Brogdon, played a game but couldn't match IQ's impact. IQ was, yeah. IQ was just that good. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of tough intangibles guy grant williams played decently but josh hart was far more effective for the knicks um you know rob williams is kind of their interior defender that's what mitchell robinson was last night um he was an enhanced version of of basically what the celtics hope rob williams will be in the playoffs um and if you get all those guys you know clicking on all cylinders we see a performance like we did last night um you know the only downside is uh, RJ Barrett who somehow in a game the Knicks won yeah. by 50 points RJ Barrett started the game was a starter um and was minus 6 uh, 4 14 from the floor five turnovers versus just two assists um many of those turnovers live ball of the live ball variety which turns into instant transition points uh yeah. for their opponent we've seen that far too often this season um so if we're going to mention any negative takeaway from last night it's RJ needs to be better. If it's shot isn't falling from outside, attack the basket. And when you attack the basket, don't get, don't put your head down and by hook or by crook, attempt a field goal, you know, floater or fade away or whatever the case right. might be. Look to spray the ball to the outside um, for whatever, whatever happens. Do not create those live ball turnovers that drive tips crazy. You can see it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, he was going crazy at some of them. I remember the one when he went baseline and threw it out and Malcolm Brogdon basically just was standing right there. He knew exactly where that ball was going um, with the Knicks rotation, and and Tibbs wanted to strangle RJ. You could tell from that sideline. Some of these turnovers were awful last night. A hundred percent. And and RJ, uh, if if the game had been close, probably still would. You know, um, it, he wasn't. It, it seemed like he wasn't going to get back in those final eight minutes, or that you know, it seems like Hard is kind of putting a lock on those minutes. And 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 again. If RJ is making poor decisions and the shot's not falling and he's not, you know, we know that he has not been an above, you know, at best an above average defender this season. Um, on, on many nights, he's been a below, uh, far below average defender, yeah. been a far defender. 
you need to curtail his minutes, not only in the fourth quarter, but in the first half, um, third quarter, first quarter, whatever the case might be, especially now that you have the uh, viable options on the bench, be it IQ, be it Hart, um, or if you want to give Grimes more minutes at the three. Those are certainly, um, you know, options that, you know, again, the Knicks are at their best if RJ plays like we know RJ is capable of. But until he does that and proves that he earns those minutes, um, Tibbs has to go in another direction. Yeah, I want to give credit to Mike Breen, and it, perhaps it may be because he's probably done so many Boston Celtic games over the last two or three years, but he was right on it when during his game saying, against the Celtic team, you cannot play in a crowd. You cannot expose the ball. Yes. You cannot attack double teams. They are so good with the flexes. They are so good with their hands, and they're so good in their rotations. You kind of have to slow your game down and make decisions, not just off the, you know, kind of shooting from the hip, you kind of have to really have a plan whenever you're attacking this team because as soon as you spin, as soon as you look away, as soon as you expose that ball, the Celtics are coming. And it felt like he was the only guy that didn't understand the <laughs> scouting report. I mean, he right. had five turnovers. No one else had more than one. Right. I thought – and they, and they were – and the Celtics, I thought, were even doing more of a junk defense than they really do against normal teams. Like, they were essentially doubling Jalen Brunson – on a lot of pick and rolls, they, they were mixing up their coverages. They were doubling Julius Randle, sometimes yep. without a screen. They were just yep. sending a second guy to him. Sometimes yep. with Brunson, without a screen, just sending a second guy to him. So the Celtics, who are already kind of a scramble, uh, turn-you-over kind of team, it kind of turned up the heat even more against this Nick team, partially, I think, because of how much Randle and Brunson dominated them in that game against Boston. So this is a game where you especially have to be careful with the ball, where you got to be especially careful with your decision-making. Credit to the Knicks. I think that they were ready for it and they were prepared. It, it seemed like RJ was the only guy who wasn't prepared. He was yeah. the only guy who's spinning into double teams. He's the only guy leaving his feet under the basket to throw passes that are Hail Marys. Like, you got to be better. Like, you got to be better. That that was not a good performance. Disappointing considering how well he normally plays against the Boston Celtics. Yeah. You know, a, yeah. He's had some great games against Boston. And Randall at yeah. times, you know, it seemed like he flirted with, you know, doing that dispin and, and, and yeah. turnover action, but but he corrected and going forward. And one other thing, just a, a small point, um, and again, credit to Breen for bringing it up and really harping on it, um, because really there was no way to avoid it, was the length of the review um, in, in that third quarter when they yeah, were viewing outrageous. the, 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 uh, the Jalen Brunson offensive foul slash technical slash you know, foul on the floor call. Um, it was just ridiculous. I think, you know, they timed it. It was seven or eight minutes. Um, Knicks had a really good flow. Luckily, they were able to get back in their rhythm. Um, but that really, you know, brought the game to a grinding halt. Uh, could have hurt the Knicks. And it's something that, you know, we've talked about here briefly. Um, and, and I hope Breen continues to bring it up on broadcasts, especially national broadcasts that get the attention of Adam Silver in the league office, because that is something that um, that they, that needs to be corrected. I, I joke that the NBA might want to borrow the MLB pitch clock i was just gonna um, say the same thing yeah and and, and and put some type of time limit on it because if you can't figure it out in a certain amount of time um again this is the nba's a billion dollar business um there was only four games going on last night i know sometimes they use the excuse that in caucus they you know there's four games you know seven games going on at the same time and then enough people listen have you know dedicate two people and if they waste their three hours just watching the game without being called into it you know reps in the back office whatever the case might be um that's one thing but again you know you, that that's something that the NBA needs to needs to improve and improve quickly. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that that is even like a, a, a joke or like a you know a, a kind of like out of the sky or kind of unrealistic thing to do. Right. Like I really would say, hey, 
there's a three minute clock whenever there's a review made. You have three minutes to make a decision. If the decision's not made after three minutes, then the call stands. Because at that point, if you've seen all those (laughs) angles, you still can't figure something out, then the call probably should stand. So I actually really think that a time limit on these reviews needs to happen. We'll talk about the CBA in a little bit because you're right. That was terrible. And it was fortunate that didn't seem to really impact the game in terms of like either team kind of falling out of crazy rhythm like i was very concerned next we're gonna maybe cough this up because of this long yeah. review especially after the, the ridiculous result that came out of it that's what happens too you get these results where you're like how the hell did that become a, a technical file on Jalen brunson when he's off balance and he's falling down like his leg goes up because he's falling down like that's just <laughs> what happens when you play basketball and somehow yes. he got a technical foul that was just absurd um, but the one thing I will mention before we move on from this game, uh, a great game from this Knicks team, I, I mentioned the show at the top. I called it the New York Penitentiary. And I, I said that when I hosted on WFAN last night. And I'm hoping that I can get this to stick with this Knicks team because we had the Knicks tape era of the Knicks with Stoudemire and Mello and Chandler and that era of Knicks team. Then we had the 2021 Knicks team. That was the Big 12, the We Here, New York Knicks. Those, unfortunately, were short time periods. At this point, I think this Knicks team, one, looks like they're going to be a sustainable winner, but two, they deserve a nickname. And I'm calling them the New York Penitentiary based on what I'm seeing from this Knicks team of late. It is inspired by the WWE Undisputed Tag Team Champions, the Usos, who refer to themselves as the Uso Penitentiary because everyone they go up against gets locked down. And what I'm seeing from the New York Knicks recently is they are locking down whoever they face. Roll call. Atlanta Hawks. Locked down. Brooklyn Nets, locked down. New Orleans Pelicans, locked down. Boston Celtics, locked down. They're not just beating these teams. They're beating them into submission. They play these teams' coaches get fired. They play these teams' coaches complain about free throws. They play these teams' coaches complain about how the Knicks are too physical and they can't match their energy. They play these teams and star player rage quits on the court like what we saw from Jason Tatum, a guy who clearly wanted no part of this Knicks team after that disaster class he had in this game. Whenever you see a guy who has one technical foul going after the refs as consistently as Jason Tatum was in that fourth quarter, you know that's a guy that wants no part of this game. He's asking to get thrown out. That's what you saw from Jason Tatum last night, and that's why the New York Knicks, in my opinion, are now the New York Penitentiary because anybody they go up against, they're getting locked down, and they're getting beaten down in submission. A phenomenal performance by the New York Knicks. 15 points, held the Celtics to 15 points in that first quarter. Um, this was the 62nd game the Celtics had played. They had scored at least 20 points in every first quarter um, in, in the 64, 61 prior games. Knicks held them to 15, set the tone, and as you mentioned, locked them up the rest of the way. Um, and, yes, the Knicks aren't just winning games, you know, during this, this six-game winning streak. They're dominating, you know, yep. relatively good teams. Had a great team last night in the Boston. Knicks are plus 88. They've, they've Their average margin of victory is 8.8 points per game during the stretch um so yeah they've they've really put the put the hammer down on teams and that's again another sign that this team is should be taken seriously this team should be you know is for real um we might have some special brewing here um one of these rare seasons those unexpected seasons that fans seem to enjoy um it seems like we're in the midst of one right now Knicks win 109-94 bats regarding these two teams will play again in short order. Um, so it should be another good one when these teams lock up um, on Sunday, ESPN slate um, at uh, the TD Bank Garden. I won't say the garden, because you know what the garden, the real garden is, but that other garden up there in Boston where the next match will be Sunday. You expect Jalen Brown to be back in that one probably. So it should be a good one there.